Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. Wise men from the east. Saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judea, art thou not least among the princes of Judah? Out of thee shall come a governor or a ruler, and he shall rule my people. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down and worshiped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. And I want to speak to you for a few minutes on this subject. God will lead, will I follow? God will lead, will I follow? You may be seated. Now I'm going to do just a little bit of groundwork here to make this message more meaningful. I did an extensive study this past week on the wise men. I was intrigued by the wise men, and I thought maybe there's something that I'm, I'm missing in this story. And I want to give you a little lesson of history. I'm, I'm going to say some things to you that maybe you have never heard before. Maybe you have never considered this before. It will not change our apostolic doctrine. It will not change anything about our fundamental belief but let me give you some things to think about that maybe you haven't considered. Let me take you back to Joseph. Do you remember Joseph? Do you remember how Joseph was all that he went through and finally the Pharaoh had a dream? Remember? And the Pharaoh had this dream and, and he gathered together all of his wise men. Let's take a look at this. In, uh, Sister Kylie, can you pull up Genesis 41? verse 8 for us. Genesis 41, 8. Okay. Now, uh, it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled and he called for the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof and Pharaoh told him his dream but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Now, what we find here is 
that the leaders that I'm going to speak to, I'm going to speak to you about three leaders. I'm going to speak to you about Pharaoh. I'm going to speak to who is the leader of Egypt. I'm going to speak to you about Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon. And I'm going to speak to you about Herod, who is the king of Israel. Now, the common practice between all three of these things that we're going to compare is that they have a council that they rely on for wisdom. They will all be referred to as wise men. Wise men. However, they are not wise men in the terms you and I think of concerning wise men. They are wise men in four areas, and we'll go over this in a little bit greater detail. They are wise and also called magicians. You'll notice in your Bible that it even refers to the magi when it refers to these wise men that we're talking about today. Magi is just a short word for magician. They have some magical powers that the king does not have. They are also astronomers. Astronomers are people that study the stars and the galaxies. They are astrologers. They believe, astrologers believe that the stars and the galaxies control human behavior. What's gonna happen in your life? That's astrology. You don't wanna get involved in that. Stay out of that. God never intended for that in your life. And then the fourth thing is that they are also sorcerers. They can even delve into witchcraft and divinity in a negative way. But they are all considered to be wise men. And the reason the king has this council of wise men is because he has limitations. So he surrounds himself with people that are supposed to be able to answer questions that he cannot. And he relies on them for this. And they're paid and they are treated as royalty in his kingdom. But if they fail, they can be killed. Now, now that I've given you that foundation, I have just read to you that the Pharaoh in Joseph's day had dreams. He expected his wise men to be able to interpret those dreams, but they were not able to. So in 41 and 16, if you'll bring that up, Sister Kylie, Joseph answered saying, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh the answer of peace He is saying, I cannot interpret the dream by myself, but the God I serve can interpret the dream. You don't have to kill all of your wise men. If you just give me time to pray, God will give me the answer. God does give him the answer. And because God gives Joseph the answer, he becomes second in command of all of Egypt because of his ability to outshine the wise men, and prove that they are all false. Now, I just read to you, so we're not gonna read it again, in Matthew chapter two, Herod did the same thing. When the wise men came to him from the east, he gathered together his priests and his prophets and his wise men. I don't know how much of the other things they were involved in, But they said, oh yeah, he's gonna be born in Bethlehem, but could give him no more of an answer than that. 
And so Herod says to the wise men from the east, go and find him for me. And when you find him, bring me word that I may come and worship him. I, am, I, I must confess to you that I am a preacher and I'm always looking at things from different angles and preaching messages out of the smallest things. But I see here a man that is, that is afraid to go and surrender his kingdom and worship the governor that was promised. And so he says, let somebody else do that for me. You go find him. I'm not willing to give the effort. And actually had an ulterior motive, and that was to even have him killed. But these wise men continued on their journey. Then the third, I want to talk to you about Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. Now, Nebuchadnezzar was the king also, and he had a dream. And he gathered all of his wise men. Let me read it to you. This is Daniel chapter 2 and verse 1. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams, wherein his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. Then the king commanded to call, here they are, the ones I mentioned, the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, the Chaldeans, to show him his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. But they were unable, just as they were with Joseph, to interpret. Verse, six, verse 12 of the same chapter says, And for this cause the king was angry and furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to be slain. I'm going to rid myself of all these guys that are getting a free ride, and I'm paying lots of money to because they can't do anything that I can't do. What do I need them for? And once again, God uses a man by the name of, in this case, Daniel. And Daniel interprets the dreams. And I want you to see the results here. Um, I, Daniel chapter 2, Sister Kylie, if you can pull that up. Can you get down to 47 and 48, please? 47 and 48. I surprised her with this one, but. The king answered unto Daniel after he interprets the dreams. Of a truth, your God is a God of gods and a Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets, seeing thou could reveal this secret. And verse 48. Then the king made Daniel a great man, gave him great gifts, made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and chief of the governors over all the wise men. He declared that the only God that was going to be worshipped in Babylon was Daniel's God. He completely reversed himself because God gave Daniel favor and Daniel interpreted the dreams and saved the wise men. Are you seeing all these connections come together? The comparison is always the same. Even if God's people are being ruled by an evil king, God will raise his people up and bring them through and give them favor 
even with wicked and evil kings. But here's where I want to go. I want to tie the Christmas story to what I've just laid out in the last 10 minutes. Is it possible that because Daniel is the vice president of Babylon, just as Joseph was the vice president of Egypt, that he will be forever remembered in history, the history of Babylon, that he will always be feared and revered. Is it possible that Daniel told the wise men the prophecy of Numbers chapter 24? Let's read it. Numbers chapter 24 and verse number 17. Daniel sees this prophecy and I believe shares it with the wise men of Babylon. I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob And a scepter, that's a ruler, a scepter will rise out of Israel and he will smite the corners of Moab and destroy all the children of Sheth and Edom shall be his possession, Shear shall be a possession for his enemies and Israel shall do valiantly. Is it possible that Daniel told them and warned them that their true Messiah would come and he would lead them with a star and would govern and defeat all of Israel's enemies. And because of that, when they saw the star in the east, they remembered the prophetic declaration of Daniel and followed the star, bringing their gifts of homage to Jesus. Now, I'm going to take it even a little further. I'm not so convinced that the wise men and the shepherds showed up on the same night. I'm not convinced of that. Because if you read in Matthew chapter 2, you will read that the wise men will come to to the house. I think there's a pretty big difference between a house and a stable. It, and I did a little research on this. Babylon is constituted of what we would consider four countries. Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, and Yemen. That's what Babylon is today. Tehran, Iran is 1,558 kilometers from Bethlehem. In miles, It's just short of 1,000 miles, the distance between the two. I believe that the star appeared and they followed it perhaps for months until the star finally stopped at the house, no longer the stable. And the wise men brought their gifts at that time and presented the gifts to Jesus. I would also like to point out that the scripture never said that there were the number three. We have three gifts, so we assume that three people showed up. That that may not be the case. And it never called them kings. And that's why I spent so much time 
talking to you about wise men. Even, I wish I could stand and walk and strut a little bit here. I feel a little handicapped, but, but even people that don't serve God can come to where he is and bring their gifts. These people were not Israelites. They were Babylonians. And yet, out of respect, they followed the star and respected the scepter or the governor. And they brought gifts of royalty. Let me share this with you, the gifts that they brought. The gifts of the wise men. They brought gold, which represented that this king was a king of royalty. They brought frankincense, that this king was a king that should, it's a perfume. Frankincense is a perfume. A perfume representing worship and prayer, that he was worthy of that. And then they brought myrrh, and myrrh was the one that puzzled me the most, because myrrh is a burial perfume. It's used for embalming. Is it possible that they knew that this Messiah would eventually allow himself to be sacrificed? The three gifts that the wise men brought. When I compare myrrh to what the wise men brought to the New Testament, the best example I can find is in John chapter 12, when Mary brought spikenard. John chapter 12 and verse three reads this way. Then took Mary a pound of ointment, a pound of spikenard, and it was very costly. And she anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. The odor of the ointment. Verse seven, if you drop down there, we'll say, when they rebuked Mary, Jesus said, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. She was actually anointing him for burial. Now you know, you've heard it from enough preachers in this church that this spikenard was very costly. Probably a year's wages. And for 10 seconds, think about what you and your wife make in one year. Would you be willing to bring that to the feet of Jesus and anoint him for burial? Of all things? The spikenard comes from the Himalayan mountains, India and Nepal. That's the only place it grows. So she has to import it and put it in a very special box. That's why it costs so much. But Mary did not consider this to be a sacrifice. Mary gave out of love, respect, and appreciation. Mary gave out of friendship and love for her, even her brother, whom Jesus had just now resurrected. She was not a competitive or a comparative giver. She gave because it was in her heart. And she wasn't doing it for recognition or the praise of people. Matter of fact, 
sometimes people that give the most are criticized the most. And our motive will always be checked by God as to why we give. Even this offering that we're taking for home missionaries. We take, this church gives a tremendous, we give over $1,000 a month. I don't know if you know this, but we give over $1,000 a month to foreign missionaries throughout the world. Nations we will never go and preach in, but we believe in the men and women that are going and we support them. And people have signed up and given that amount of money every month and we send a check to foreign missions. But in America, we need to take care of America too with the gospel. And so we have these home missionaries and I hope you're not upset that we would stand before you and ask for you to give to these missionaries that are preaching the gospel, not only in Wisconsin, but throughout North America. Why would you do that? Because we want to. We appreciate the fact that somebody came to us with the gospel, came to our community, found us, preached and taught to us, and they were previously supported, perhaps with Christmas for Christ, since this has been going on for 50 years. So don't ever get an attitude about giving. Don't ever do that. Be like Mary. Be a wise man. Be a giver. Out of love and appreciation. Now, I want to share this with you. I'm not going to preach long today. Luke chapter 2. While you're turning there, let me say this to you. How many of you have ever had this thought? I would really have liked to have been able to walk with Jesus in his ministry. I would have liked to have walked, been on the Sea of Galilee. Oh, what an opportunity those disciples had. I wish I could have been one of those fishermen that Jesus walked up to and and said, follow me. Do you ever have that thought? I have. I have. Let me share this with you. I'm going to skip the shepherds here. Matthew 4 and 19. Skip Luke chapter 2, Sister Kylie, please. Matthew 4, 19. Follow me, he said, and I will make you fishers of men. And straightway they left their nets and they followed him. Just like that. Could you imagine that? A guy you have never met in your life walks up to you and says, I've chosen you. Come on. Follow me. I'll take all you've learned in fishing and I'll I'll apply it to my cause. Come on, follow me. And without hesitation... They quit their job. Just like that. Well, I need to pray about this. I need to think this over. I, I need some time to uh, do a, a, a check on you and, and find out who you are. And just like that. If you find the next two, read a little bit farther. 
They're brothers as well. And these are James and John. And he does exactly the same thing. Walks up to these two guys and says, hey, come on, follow me. And they leave not only their nets, read it carefully, and their boats, they even leave their father. The scripture points out that their dad was there. Their dad was not called. The invitation was not extended to Zebedee, just to his sons. But the sons don't hesitate either. They not only leave their job, if it means leaving their family, they'll leave their family. Just because he says, follow me. What would happen? Well, in some of your cases, if you're a visitor here today, it might be happening to you right now. But what would happen if Jesus walked up to you one day and said, listen, follow me, no matter what it costs you. Financially, friends, family, doesn't matter. Will you put me first? Will you trust me enough to follow me at any cost? What would you say? These guys, they followed. Hmm. Look here in Luke chapter 14. Here's a man that sits at meat. He heard these things and he said, Luke 14, 15, blessed is he that eats bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and he bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Now, not everybody got the invitation, did they? Not everybody. It said he bade many, and he said to those that were bidden, come, all things are now made ready. But the ones that he went to began to make excuse. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I need to go and see it. I'm not coming. I respectfully decline. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee have me excused. Another said, I married a wife and I can't come. So the servant came and he showed his Lord these things And the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring hither the poor, the maimed, the halt, and the blind. I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall ever taste of my supper. I am not giving out rain checks. They got one opportunity. That was it. You know what, I I am so humbled that God would send someone to me and give me an invitation. I don't know, maybe six billion people in the world, I don't know the latest number. Why me? Why you? 
Who are you to be in the house of God this morning, to be in the presence of the king, to hear the word of the Lord, to know that you have been given an invitation? I'm humbled. I'm humbled. But I see here, this is me now. You don't like it? Throw it over your shoulder. But I see that there are three reasons that people won't serve God. The first reason is the cares of this world. Remember, the first guy was land. I bought this piece of property. You know what? I got this beautiful place up in Crandon, Wisconsin. Oh, man. I can't serve God anymore because I got to be up there all the time. Recreation. All kinds of things that can distract us. I'm not saying that they're sinful, but when they become more important than God, when they keep you from the house of God, from the following of God, from the ministry of God, you got your priorities mixed up. You got to get that straightened out. This guy wouldn't do it. And so he didn't come to dinner. The next guy he came to, he said, well, I, I got these oxen. That represents his job. Should he not be plowing his fields? Should he not be harvesting his crops? Should he not be taking care of his family? Is that a sin to be a worker? Absolutely not. But when the king calls you to dinner, when you get an invitation, you need to say, hold it. Oxen, you stay in the stall. I'll be back. We'll cut her this afternoon or we'll cut her during the week. But I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm glad to come to God's house. I'm glad to be there. I want to be there. I have an invitation. Now I, and I say this humbly, I live my life by appointments. I have this, I have learned to use my phone. And I can put appointments in my phone and know where I'm supposed to be. It even bings and reminds me of appointments that I have set up. Is it wrong to set up an appointment on a Wednesday night and say, hey, I have an appointment. I have a date. I get to be in the king's house on Wednesday night and I get to be there on Sunday morning and as frequently as I can, I'm going to be in the house of God. But I can still work a job. And then the third, well, I can't come. I'm married. My wife doesn't want to come. My husband doesn't want to come. So if they don't want to come, well, I don't want to hurt their feelings. What about God's feelings? What about the invitation to come and follow him? He sent a star to lead wise men. He he sent an angel to, to, to direct the shepherds. He sent a man or a woman to you. And that man or woman is trying to to bring you to the place where Jesus is and usher you into a relationship. But other relationships can get in the way and prevent you 
from following the real star. Well, I can't serve God because I've been raised a different religion. I can't serve God because my friends won't like it and that's not what they do. And I don't want to be labeled a holy roller. Listen, do not ever deny the Lord. Do not deny the Lord. If you deny him, he will one day deny you. But if you declare him, he will one day declare you to be his. Don't let people keep you from what God is calling you to do. Because God will lead. It's only a question of if you will follow. One more example. Mark chapter 10. When he was gone forth in the way, there came one running. Watch this young man carefully. He is running toward Jesus, and when he gets to him, he kneels. And he says these words, good master, what shall I do that I shall inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why do you call me good? There is none good but one, that is God. You don't even know who I am. You think I'm just a man. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and your mother. Hey, you know what? Some people are gonna call you a legalist. Let me throw this in for good measure today. We are a nation of laws. We are also a people, as Christians, of laws. We have not thrown away the Ten Commandments. They are now written on our hearts. But they are still to be adhered to. My wife told me something. If I have problems with this, Sister Kylie, you're gonna have to help me. The woman, a woman got on a phone and said, why is it that anything goes? What was the second part, hon? Why is it that anything goes, but some things are not allowed? In other words, sin can run rampant but we can't have a manger scene. It's not allowed. Why is it that we as a nation believe that people should be able to worship anything and anyone they want, any religion except Christianity? That's the one thing we come against. We don't come against Buddha, do we? Oh no, we're not gonna have any Buddha in it. No, no, no. But when it comes to Christianity, Something's wrong, folks. We got this thing backwards. This is supposed to be a Christian nation. We're not taking away other people's rights, but ours should not be taken away. We should be allowed to worship. We should be able to declare, thus saith the word of God. This is what God's word says. Let me read it to you again. I wonder how many churches are preaching this today. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. 
or murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor your father and mother. This young man said, well, I kept all that from my youth. Then Jesus beholding him, remembering that he ran toward him, remembering that he fell on his knees before him and wanted to know how he could have eternal life, said unto him, one thing thou lackest. Go your way, sell whatsoever you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come. Take up your cross and follow me. Notice where follow me is in this verse. It's on the end of the verse, not on the front of the verse. We want God to say, follow me. But he says, and he could say it to anybody in this building, starting with me, one thing. There's one thing I want you to do. And then I'm going to give you a cross. And then I want you to follow me. We make it, we, we try to make it too easy for people. Oh, just accept the Lord as your personal Savior. Just believe in Jesus and you, and you get to go to heaven. We, we have cheap grace. And we say you can live any way you want and do anything you want. And then just, just say you're sorry. Seventy times seven, isn't that what Jesus said? Man, I'll tell you what, if we sinned only once a day, we only got about a year and a half. See, I, the one thing I think that God is asking of us could be different for each of us. But I promise you this, if you really follow Jesus, your life will be styled differently and God will have a hold of every aspect of your life. He looked at this guy, a young man, probably the rich young ruler. He never asked this of other people, but he knew it was the thing that would keep him from being able to follow fully. So he said it right from the beginning. Give it away. Boy, I'll tell you what. He asks some hard things, doesn't he? Look at this. Luke 9, 23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said that to the rich young ruler and he said it again in Luke chapter nine. And then if you look, take a look, two crosses here. Here's the second cross, Luke 23 and 26. As they led Jesus away, they laid hold upon Simon a Cyrenian coming out of the country and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus. Two crosses, your cross and his cross. Still want to follow? Still willing to give up your fishing nets? Relationships? Cares of this world? Deceitfulness of riches? Which chokes the word and causes it to be unfruitful? God will lead. 
The only question is, will we follow? Will we follow? Let's stand together. Matthew chapter 19. I know what you're thinking. Boy, this is a life of sacrifice. Well, I don't deny that. I don't deny that. Peter asked the question that a lot of us would like to ask Jesus. Matthew 19, 27, Peter said unto him, Behold, Lord, we have forsaken all, and we have followed you. What shall we have, therefore? What's in it for us? We know about the sacrifice, but where's the reward? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that you which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit on the throne of his glory, you will sit upon the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that has forsaken, here it is, your houses, your brethren, your sisters, father, mother, wife, or children. Or there it is again, your lands for my name's sake. You will receive a hundredfold and you will inherit everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last and the last shall be first. Jesus, I pray today for this congregation that you will help us to see that you are still the bright and morning star, that you still lead us. Lord, I pray that we truly will be the true. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.